This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1584. Top 5 Star Wars Movie Moments. I'm Adam Murdo. I'm Shane Kelly. And I'm Jake Jilla. And I'm Chris Everly. Sorry, that was my fault, Danny. No problem. Dan, say you again. And I'm Dan Kinjilla. <laughs> there you go. For those who may not know, Dan Kinjilla is a dear old friend of ours from our outpost in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And a lifelong Star Wars fan who's presence is only fitting for this particular episode. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I can't even remember the last time I saw you. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been too long. Yeah, absolutely. But first, before we get to the meat of the episode, Indeed. this episode is brought to you by Geek Fuel. That's geekfuel.com. They are a company that provides you with a mystery box of geeky science fiction goodiness. You can sign up for various levels of uh, how many months you want to get a geek box. Um, we've gotten some here in the studio, and they contain Back to the Future stickers, uh, pop figures, T-shirts, posters, uh, pins, all surrounding on their uh, geeky stuff. On their homepage, they have uh, featuring just in the stuff that's a possibility, a Star Wars comic, a pop figure of, um, oh gosh, um, what's his name from Guardians? The blue guy. Oh. Yondu. Yondu, thank you. Pac-Man stuff, Ghostbusters stuff, the Back to the Future sticker that we got. Um, a can of ooze from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so if if you like getting uh, a lot of geeky stuff or you have someone in your life that likes geeky, science fiction-y, comic booky stuff, this may be a great uh, opportunity to get them a gift monthly, one-shot, yearly. Um, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's a great uh, great product to, to get. Nice surprise. And with the holidays swiftly approaching, oh, yes. this is an ideal present yeah. for, for the geek in your Absolutely. life. Absolutely. I mean – Shane, Shane, just the content Shane just described. That's just one example. That's yeah. what we got. Yep. Uh, I can't imagine getting a whole year's worth of yeah, stuff. It's a great idea. Yeah, so. a lot of good stuff. That's geekfuel.com. Check them out. All righty. Now, this is an episode we've been looking forward to for quite some time. And as The Force Awakened, uh, the Force Awakens approached, uh, you know, we were thinking about, well, we should – let's talk about Star Wars. And uh, I, for one, have always loved the top five format. And I just thought this would be a great concept. And uh, we, should, we should lay the, out the ground rules for, so our listeners realize how we're going to approach this. Very well. As of it, right now, it is uh, Friday, 18th, December 18th. Only Dan and I, among the four of us, have seen The Force Awakens. So we're not going to include The Force Awakens in this list because, A, we don't want to spoil it for Shane and Adam. And B, we don't want to spoil it for listeners who may not have seen the movie Right. When this recording is put up, you know, in the following next week. But be advised, we will be spoiling the oh, other six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think uh, one through three are on my list? But anyway. Um, well, but, um, Shane's being a little more I ha- uh, magnanimous. I, yeah, I have 21 us. items, and I've <laughs> narrowed it down to five. We all, we'll have plenty of time for, for our, our, our runner-ups, <laughs> yeah, for right. sure, because I have many as well. Oh, but, our um, alternate dump at the end. It's a tradition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to reassure our listeners that we will be doing a thorough CGS review with all the appropriate fracking swears. Um, 
of Force Awakens when all of us have seen it, which will be – I think you guys will see it in the next I days or weeks, right? I'm seeing it in the next days. I cannot be sure. I'm still uh, lacking in free time, I'm afraid. I'm but, just, well, it's that time of year at the I'm, Christmas party. Actually, there's a slim chance I might go and see a late show tonight. Oh, oh wow. you bugger. Depending on, well, I, I have no idea. There's an 11.30 p.m. show at Fox Berkshire. It's probably been sold out for hours, but oh, uh, depending that's where, on when we get finished. That's where I'm going because I pre-ordered tickets for Sunday morning weeks ago because I want to sit in a nice, cushy, reclining leather chairs. That's my only place I go to movies now. Hmm. Oh. Brian Deemer would approve. That's where he used to work. That's where he and Tasha met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that theater. Outstanding. So all I will say, and I think Dan will echo this, is that if you're a fan of Star Wars, my God, make sure you see this movie. Absolutely. And Don't that, miss it. Yeah, that's all we'll say at the moment. So, But stay tuned for our review down the road. Excellente. All righty. So for this top five, we're, going to, we're, we're focusing on the six films that have come out prior to Force Awakens, mm-hmm. episodes one through six. We're not, we're not talking about uh, you know, cartoons. No, no. Um, anything involving the expanded universe. It's just the six movies. The six movies. So we're, we're all picking our top five moments. And I got to say, and I think Shane had the same problem. This was really hard to do. Yeah. yeah. We could yeah. have done a top five moments for each individual yeah, exactly. film. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. We still would have had more moments than we could include. And I'm sure that some of our top ones probably will cross. I mean, oh, of course. there's a couple really good big ones that go on throughout the six movies. Yeah. And as we said, we're going to also have runners up, you know, our, our alternates to address. Yeah. Can we include the holiday special or do I need to shift that off of my list? Shift that off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I love it for nostalgia's sake, but shift that off. Okay. Okay. Shane, there wasn't even hesitation oh, there. That, that was, you know. So here's a funny story with that, and it involves Matt. Um, so <laughs> years ago, I had a, a bunch of people pre CGS days come over to my house. It was uh, our friend John and Alex. Uh, I can't remember if Mike was there. Um, Scott Powers might have been there, who's been on the show. And um, Alex brought this guy Matt along. You know, our Matt. Hmm. And and I didn't know him at that point, but he said, you know, can I bring Matt? Sure, bring Matt along. And he said, well, Matt has a copy of the holiday, Star Wars holiday special. Do you want to watch it? Because it was around Christmas time that I was getting everybody together. Absolutely. Bring it along. It's what, 30 minutes? That would be perfect. Little did my faulty memory realize just how long that damn thing was. Holy (laughs) cow. It feels a lot longer than it is. Well, that too. But it was longer than a half hour. So I'm sitting there and the 30 minutes goes by and I'm like, we didn't even see Boba Fett's cartoon yet. What's going on? And we kept watching it and watching it. And we took a break. I went to the bathroom. We got some snacks. And we go, but we're watching it. We're watching it. And B. Arthur comes on. And our Carney comes on. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, finally, like an hour and a half later or seven days, whichever came first, finally it ended. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's not at all how I remember it. Um, uh, I would still like the kids to watch it at some point, And there are still some fun things for me in it. But, boy, that is one long episode show thing that i don't remember being that long as a kid what's fun about the holiday special besides just the sheer absurdity of the whole thing is that you know they're clearly trying because i remember as a kid seeing it on tv i do too I vividly remember that yep me too because we were so starved for anything mm-hmm. star wars because we were also taken by uh episode four um then i saw it again many many years later as an adult and I was just in awe of how ludicrous the whole thing was. <laughs> and you could tell this was just a slapdash effort put together because they wanted to capitalize on yeah. the Star Wars mania sweeping the nation in the yep. late 70s. But as I've always said, anything that involves Art Carney, Jefferson Starship. Oh, that's right. Jefferson Starship. And like some holographic yes, concert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
you said B. Arthur, yep. like Chewbacca's family. Oh yeah, Lumpy you know, and um, I, I mean, it's oh. it's a bizarre piece of work. Carrie Fisher sings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to get Harrison Ford to do it, as well as I still remember him wrestling the stormtrooper on yep. the uh, balcony of Chewbacca's uh, home on Kashyyyk. So, yep. <laughs> if you're a Star Wars fan, you haven't seen it. You, you have, have to watch to. it. Yeah, you have to watch because you can't take your eyes away from it. Just how utterly and, bizarre it is. And I just read an article not too long ago. Now. That's the first time Boba Fett is brought out in any yes. form film wise. That's why it's right. especially significant yeah. in terms of Star and, Wars. And it's history. a terribly yeah. drawn cartoon. Um it's it's oh it's so bad. But I still love it because that's cool. Um I did find out that the character himself in costume was actually at a convention. I, I don't know if it was San Diego or something else before that, <laughs> as they were testing the costume out the character in oh, some really? fashion. So okay. the the character, I don't even know if he was named Boba Fett at that point, was actually at some place first and then the special happened if this article was right. But still, to me, that uh, holiday special is the first time Boba Fett was ever entered into my life and th- that was a cool character. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we start our, our list? We'll start with the number five. So why don't we give our uh, august guest, Mr. Kangil, the first shot. Go. Sure. Much like you guys, I have a list that's way too long here. Um, but my number five is the trash compactor scene in A New Hope. Um, I, I just remember being fascinated by that as a kid. The dialogue is amazing in that scene. Uh, Hansel is just hilarious. And whenever I would set up my figures, that's the, one of the scenes that I would always go to immediately to try and reenact with my with my <laughs> figures. So for me, that holds a special place in Star Wars lore because... It's just part of an amazing scene saga, part of the Death Star anyway, but it's just a piece of that that's just unbelievable. From the minute they blow open the hatch and jump down the chute to the minute they get out the door, it's just a lot of fun. Now, did you have the Death Star playset trash compactor to play with? I did not. I always wanted that. The Death Star playset was probably the one thing that I always wanted but never got um, in the Star Wars toy arena yeah um i i had it i played with it until it broke into pieces the only thing i have left is the elevator and someday <laughs> i will get pieces and put the whole darn thing back together How much pieces go far on ebay it's actually not as expensive as you think i mean to, yeah. to get the whole thing together at one shot be hundreds of that dollars. can be pricey yeah. um in the box with an open box with a decrepit box can be pricey but to, to gather up the pieces you know as long as you're okay with a reproduced rope to swing across yeah. or even missing the rope it, it can be done for a reasonable amount of money in, in my opinion compared to what i thought it would be well i had i had it as well i was lucky to get it that's my favorite set you know, for one christmas yeah and uh my mine fell apart too but the, i love the trash compactor because it had like styrofoam uh-huh. pieces of debris yeah and then like the rub the plastic creature yep. was in there Danny, that's a great selection because one of the great things about that scene is that they really start to emphasize the sexual tension between Princess Leia and Han Solo right off the bat and just the the, the barbs and the, the, the tension and the animosity. And, yeah. you know, you know. Absolutely, and it's really the first time that all of the hero characters, except for Ben Kenobi, are together yes. on the screen. So Yeah. I love that Princess Leia starts just criticizing Han immediately for the caliber of their rescue attempt. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the brain, sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you smell. <laughs> it's a great choice. And the garbage chute, flyboy. Yep. All right, Shane, what's your number five? Um, mine is actually from Phantom Menace. 
All right. It's uh, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul's lightsaber battle. Uh, as much as all the lightsaber play in Star Wars Empire and Jedi is fantastic, and, and it was, I was in awe of the choreography and the ability to see more than one Jedi battling a villain, and they were all hopping around like crazy people with all their moves, flips, dodges, parries. It, it was just impressive. I absolutely love that scene. Um, and, and for me, as as much as... You know, I like the prequels well enough. I mean, there's a lot that I would change, and there's a lot that I would cut out and probably could cut it down to an hour-long special <laughs> in a lot of ways, maybe an hour and a half. But I really... I still give credit to sitting there, and this is on my alternates list, sitting there and and watching for the first time when you thought there was no more Star Wars movies at all. And I'll have a similar effect for uh, The Force Awakens, I'm sure. But to sit there and watch a new crawl go by, Phantom Menace, and then to see new things that you never knew about before, that was still exciting. Even after all these years, the, as much as we can say is wrong with it or we don't like this or that, when you first saw it, that was still something exciting. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and that lightsaber battle really was just over the top for me. Just absolutely fantastic. Well, that... yeah, that's actually the top of my alternate list. Um, and one piece that about that scene that I absolutely love is the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John Williams' mm-hmm. score is incredible in every movie, anyway. But but when he hits those first few notes of Duel of the Fates, yeah. and Maul takes the hood off, yep. and you see him ignite that lightsaber. Um, it's just incredible. Yep. Well, that is that is a great duel. And the reason why I haven't included anything from Phantom Menace on my list. There, there will be a couple alternates from Revenge of the Sith. But I remember when I watched that, especially the second – because the first time I went to see Phantom Menace, like many people, I was so starved for a Star Wars oh, movie yeah. that I didn't realize until the second time I saw that I, that I realized this movie isn't very good. Um, but – the duel is great. My problem with that scene, though, is that there are four different things happening at the same time. I don't give a shit about the kid in the little pod, oh, whatever he's doing. Yeah. I don't care about Amidala running around the palace. I sure as hell don't care about Jar Jar fighting on the surface of Naboo. Yeah. I want to see the duel. Yeah. Because you're right, the duel is an, it's an amazing choreography. And they keep jumping from it, you know, one back and forth, back and forth. Now, in Empire Strikes Back, that work is only two things going on. Right. He has four different plot points developing simultaneously. It, it just it, – and, and for me, it deflated the impact. Uh, well, and, and I've seen people who have cut all that out, and all you see is the duel. It's, I'm sure it's thrilling. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So, yeah, it still holds something for me. Mert? All right. Um, the description I have scribbled down here on my sheet of notes uh, <laughs> for my number five is uh, three words, galactic dance blast. Uh, this is the title given to the Max Rebo Band <laughs> song uh, from Return of the Jedi. Uh, special edition or before that? Oh, no, no, no. Original. There's okay. nothing is special that edition. Is the title of the music? Um, it's the title that was assigned to it uh, in one of the short stories in the uh, Tales oh, from Jabba's Palace anthology. Okay. Uh, but yes, uh, Droopy McCool, Cy Snoodles, and uh, Max Rebo <laughs> grooving along there. I, I needed to have some kind of Jabba the Hutt-related moment on this list yeah. because when I was a little shaver, Jabba the Hutt was the thing I loved the most about Star shaver. Wars. As a franchise, I mean, it's uh, that was one I, of your early play sets. Then you had the Jabba play sets. Yes, yeah. it was actually the only Star Wars play set I did have. I had mm-hmm. quite a few of the action figures, but only the play set. 
of, of based on Jabba's palace, which is just Jabba's throne. It didn't yeah. even have a Rancor pit. It no, was just no. uh, you, Jabba could get off the throne, and then you could flip up some levers. Like the, there were these like gargoyle heads on the front. Yep. Turn them, and then there was this little compartment inside the throne where you could exile all as many different action figures as would fit. And uh, is a Salacious Crumb come with the? Yes, yes, yes it, did. Okay. it did, and a little hookah too for Jabba to smoke. <laughs> Yeah, so I would just have each and every action figure I had go up against Jabba the Hutt, and they'd all end up in the dungeon because Jabba beats everything. <laughs> it's like rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, Jabba. <laughs> Even though Jabba doesn't move at all. <laughs> yeah, well, he he does. He, you know, his action figure. He, yeah, it he did. Turned, his turned torso, the head and the tail would It made move. his tail twitch, and you could knock characters off their feet by doing yeah. that. But anyway, so I needed some representation of Jabba on this list. And um, I could have gone with when uh, 3PO and R2-D2 give their message to Jabba saying that the droids are now his property. And 3PO horrified says, R2, you're playing the wrong message. Yeah, but yeah. I went with Galactic <laughs> Dance Blast instead because it's a really catchy sort of techno jizz, I guess, to use a Star Wars term, jizz tune with the, the vocals of Sice Noodles, not voiced by friggin' Leanne Rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the Ula, the dancing girl, yep. doing her oh, sure. sinuous Terpsichorean thing, and <laughs> Gargan, the six-breasted lady, dancing around in, in the background. <laughs> and, and you could see and Max Rebo, and doing with really well-designed alien Max Rebo, the blue, yes. sort of floppy anteater-looking thing who uh, seems to be merged uh, Corvax style with his uh, organ... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had uh, that set too. I had the Max Rebo band as action figures. Droopy McCool, who I just learned this a few days Droopy ago, McCool. played by the same guy who played uh, the the little guy in the racing snail from the Never Ending Story. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. Uh, oh. Deep Roy okay. apparently is a right. diminutive actor, so he specialized in uh, little person type nice. roles and costume stuff. Um, and so you got uh, some images of uh, all the various uh, assorted strange aliens in the background of Jabba's palace during that dance number. Jabba himself was grooving along on his uh, yeah, throne, yeah. picked up one of his crawlies from the bowl of his hookah and threw it in his mouth. Those crawlies have names, too. I, I think I learned that from one of those uh, statuettes you were trying <laughs> to sell at uh, RetroCon. Oh, get out. I didn't, I didn't even read all of that on yeah. the back of that box. I think there actually is a species name for those uh, little creatures that Jabba feeds upon, <laughs> little toad things. Um, so, yeah, that uh, spirited musical number in Jabba's Palace is what I chose for my number five. Nice. All right. My number five is Luke discovering the skeletons of Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. Oh, that's a good one. At the remnants well, of... Oh, that's not even on my list. Damn it. Uh, yeah. Their moisture evaporator farm. Now, the reason why I chose it, when I saw Star Wars, when it came out, I was four year, uh, five years old. No, no, four years old. And... I remember vividly that that scene really struck me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I've seen the movie, you know, obviously a gazillion times since then, that scene still uh, has a profound impact on me because, again, and Dan mentioned John Williams before, it's a perfect synthesis of drama to John Williams' score. And it's – it as fantastical as Star Wars is, I mean it's space opera, it's fantasy – to me, that's a scene that's sort of very grounding mm-hmm. in how brutal the Empire really is. And, and it, it sort of reminds you of, you know, this is, yes, this is a fairy tale, but people are dying in it. Yeah. And as people do in traditional yeah, fairy tales. And, really. and this is, and I, I give Lucas real props for not sort of downplaying that scene. Like, you see two, I mean, think about what the stormtroopers did, they didn't just kill them. Like this is like the Nazi SS. They torch their entire 
farm mm-hmm. with and, them in it. And, and they, they basically incinerated them. And, and you see the way their bodies are. You could tell that they were trying to run away, and they, they just killed them. They just yeah. shot them down, essentially. Um, and to see those skeletons, the smoke coming off them, and it's a profound moment because at that moment, Luke's t- entire life – that life he had is it's over. Yeah. It's gone. He was and, so concerned with getting back and so worried about what yeah. Uncle Owen would say or yeah, it's, it's how all, much it's trouble he'd get in. It's yeah. It's all gone. And you know, now he's nothing left but to go back to bed and say, I want to be a Jedi, uh, like my father. And and the music is magnificent in yeah. that scene. And uh, you oh, know, it yes. just it just shows you the stakes of what the Empire because let's face it, the Empire this the it, the the it, inspiration for the Empire is the Third Reich. I mean yeah. that's, that's oh, yeah. the inspiration for it. And uh, it really – they really drive that point home there. Now, you say you saw that when you were four. So you yeah. actually saw it in 77. Yes. Because for years I thought I did. But as I learned more over time, especially the last 10 years – Well, there years, were re-releases in 78. That's when I first saw it because I remember going from the movie to the Kmart down the road yeah. and getting an R2-D2 right off the shelf within a day. Well, it's funny you mention that because last night – because Ryan and I took our children mm-hmm. – to the Force Awakens, and we were thrilled because we were thinking about when we were taking his kids. Because he and I were taken together. Nice. Because you know we grew up together because yeah. our parents were friends um, from high school. And I asked him. I said, "You know, did we go to the seventy-seven or the 78? He said, "He said I'm pretty sure it was the seventy-seven because I still remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. I, I still can, I know the theater. I dimly remember being there as a four-year-old. I can so. remember getting dropping my sister off at a friend's house because she wasn't coming." I remember my parents taking me into the Coventry Theater, Coventry Mall Theater, which only had two movie theaters. And that's where I saw every movie, every Star Wars movie um, for those three. Same theater every time. But I remember seeing it. and I thought it was in 77, and and I am 90% sure now it was in the re-release in 78 Mm. when the toys were coming out. That's right, because as we know, Kenner was caught flat-footed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) By the surge in popularity. Yep. So – they have and, – and, and Dan knows this quite well. They have – they just did the box mm-hmm. for that Christmas in 77. And if you, yep. The empty box campaign. The empty box campaign, exactly. And Dan, wasn't it you got like some kind of rebate that you'd get the figures? You got a mail-in card that That's they would right. send you the four figures, and I think it was Luke, Leia, Chewie, and R2. Correct. Were the four figures that you got in it. That is correct. All right. And you got some stickers, and you got a uh, – I think a membership card, and you could turn your cardboard – envelope that you bought into a stand or you got to stand inside yeah. of it. There was some cardboard stand with a background for them. Yeah, they were scrambling. Yeah. Yeah, they All were. Right. Let's do our number fours. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with Shane this time. All right. My number four is and, – and two of these I cheated on because I can't do what Dan did and just say the trash compactor scene. <laughs> um, number four for me is the simultaneous Endor fight and space battle at the end of Return of the Jedi. When everything's culminating to a head, that works as a, for and, me, yeah. and they're they're getting to where they're going to go into the Death Star and blow it up. Han and his crew are blowing up the shield generator on the on the planet with the Ewoks' help. Um, it's just a fantastic space battle as well as ground battle because your heroes who blew up the first Death Star in, all in space are now all on the ground, um, trapped with and and forced to pressured to just get rid of the shield generator so the ships in space can do their job. And they're having a heck of a time battling all the Star Destroyers, at least the Star Destroyers that won't let them escape, as well as the Death Star blowing things up when yep. they didn't think it was even operational. Right. Um, and that was the first time. So you had a lot of ships in 
A New Hope, what became A New Hope, flying around and battling and stuff. But the sheer number of TIE fighters, especially oh, that well, one like scene. A swarm of locusts. Yeah, yeah, just when they're all coming at the, yeah. the Falcon and you see it from the cockpit. Yeah. And everything. Oh, it was just brilliant. Well, that scene, great pick, Shane. You can tell, obviously, by that point, they had a hell of a lot more money. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. the, that, that's a tremendous space battle. Because, yeah. you know, you have two armadas. I mean, the, the, basically the entire Imperial fleet is present, as far as we can tell. And, uh, yeah, the, the dogfights in that scene are thrilling. Yeah. And when they fly into the superstructure, the superstructure and you're going through everything. I always feel bad for that last TIE fighter <laughs> that's just trying to get the hell out. Yeah. And he's consumed by the flame. You see the, the flame coming second. around. Whoosh. He's done. Like, you know, the Empire's fall. He just wants to escape. And he's still consumed at the end. Um, There's that one A-wing pilot, too, that has, like, one line. Uh, it's something really corny. He, he says it so deadpan like, Yes, sir, or something, as he's trying to take another way out. Copy, gold leader. That's it, copy. <laughs> Such an awkward little dialogue sentence. My son, Jun, and I are both big fans of Wedge. Yes. And, uh, you know, because Wedge has been a character they've done so much with in the expanded universe, mm-hmm. but he really has a very limited role in the movies. Um, and uh, I always like the scenes that he's involved in because yeah. he's such a great pilot. Um, but I, I, read, I read a report, I Assume it, I think it's true that they actually asked the actor to be in the new film, and he refused. Oh, get Dennis out. Lawson didn't want to be in. That's what that's what I read anyway. Did you hear about anything about that, Danny? Yeah, I read that article too. You did, okay. Um, which really surprised me because he is actually Ewan McGregor's uncle. Correct. Um, and I thought, well, he's already a part of this saga. Of course, you're going to be in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a shame. My, one other thing about that scene chain that I like too is a lot of the secondary characters get their their moment. Yeah, Lando, Akbar. I mean, you it's know, a it's trap. a trap. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's so many great secondary characters that are at the forefront in that scene, um, and it's the the opposite of that same scene in Phantom Menace. The cutting together of those three things because they're also cutting in Luke and Vader and the Emperor as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, it yeah. actually works. There. Oh yeah, it works very well. Yeah. Um, I also like things like in the cockpit of the Falcon, you see Lando piling it. You see Nyai Nyub, I guess you would pronounce his name, co-piling it. You see somebody in every one of those chairs. They're all doing stuff on yep. the console. Like that is fully staffed ship doing all kinds of stuff that you never see now, it, any other fun, time. That's a good point because you think, okay, so it takes all those people to do what Han and Chewie do. Yeah, yeah, by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Leia and C-3PO are just sitting in the cockpit going, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> The odds are. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Great. All right, Murray, what's your number four? Uh, okay, what did I decide my number four was? <coughs> uh, I got to remind myself what the rankings were. Uh, okay, number four from The Empire Strikes Back. This is no cave. Uh, yes, that's I, a good one, too. You know, when you're, you're going to find that for me, uh, love of Star Wars has a lot to do with the alien creatures mm. involved. And uh, so this is uh, Empire Strikes Back. Is actually probably my personal uh, least favorite of the original wow. trilogy, if only <gasps> because there favorite. aren't enough uh, cool-looking weird creatures in it. <laughs> but it did have a space slug and Minox. Yes, it did. It did. And so when um, the, the Millennium Falcon is fleeing from uh, its Imperial pursuers and hides on a very large asteroid in the middle of an asteroid field, and uh, they fly into what they think is uh, a cave or a tunnel in the surface of this asteroid, and it turns out that they've flown down the gullet of a giant uh, space annelid of some kind <laughs> um, with uh, these uh, bat-like uh, intestinal parasites called Minox flapping around inside. And it's just a gradual realization 
uh, from assessing the environmental factors that, uh, oh, crap, we're, there's a monster at work here. And, uh, and then as they fly and the stalactites and stalagmites start to close around them, yeah. and, they, and then there's this uh, – <laughs> it all culminates in what is a fairly cheesy creature, in fact, just a big sock puppet basically, <laughs> reaching up and trying to grab them with the, well, those two little eye stalks on either yep. side of its head, though, are yeah. kind of a redeeming factor there. and just – Grabs at them and then sinks back down into the into the crater. I am not a committee. <laughs> <laughs> I also like how, as I grew up and watched and rewatched that, got to realize that when they're inside his stomach, that creature has the atmosphere that they can walk out on without imploding and burning and boiling their blood and bodies because they're in an atmos atmosphereless asteroid. Oh yeah, well they're wearing yeah. rebreathers, aren't no, they? Well, they are, but their skin and everything's exposed. They'd still be dead. <laughs> Remember when they walk out, space fantasy. Oh, it absolutely in Star is. Star Wars, you actually hear explosions in space. <laughs> so. Yes, you do. But uh, it's just great that they could walk out because that creature protects them in some way as yep. as they're all there inside. That's a good this point. It's really soft. Yep. Whoa! This stomach must... sure feels strange. There's a lot of moisture in here. <laughs> stomach has I know, has an I know every line. Yeah. I have to admit it. I, right. I, I love that. That's scene. a great choice, Mark. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Dan. Danny, what's your number four? Uh... My number four, and I, I only made this number four because I thought it'd be ridiculous to have three Empire Strikes Backs as one, two, three. Um, so I moved this down a notch. Um, it's Han getting frozen in carbonate. Ugh. I remember as a kid just being heartbroken because Han Solo was my favorite of the the main characters, hands down. And, and just to see the anguish on Leia's face, and you know, you got C three PO on Chewie's back. Um, I didn't appreciate the whole I love you, I know scene until I was much older, of course. But um, just to see the a main character just frozen, more or less dead to the world. Um, and then when they start floating him out and Boba Fett's taking him to Slave 1, it just... It was kind of shocking to me as a kid because you didn't expect something like that to happen. That's one of the reasons that movie holds up so well for me. It's because there's so many moments that you just couldn't believe were actually happening. Well, and, and, and a big part of my love of Empire is they don't win. Yeah. They lose in that one. Well, that's – they often say that when, you, when you're doing a drama, the, 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 the second act is often the most – for the audience, the most satisfying because it has the greatest amount of – there's the cliffhanger that, you know, there's, there's, there's the edginess. You know, the, the main characters are not necessarily in a good position at that point because you yeah. have to get to that third act where everything you, you would imagine resolves itself. So, you know, I mean I know for me and for a lot of other people – that's their favorite Star Wars film. Yeah. Absolutely. And when Lando says, yes, he's alive and in perfect hibernation, you're like, oh, wow, what's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember thinking as a kid when Lando kneels down and he's, he's uh, manipulating the, the uh, gadgetry. I'm thinking, is he doing something to help him? Like, you know, What was great about The Empire Strikes Back, it left you with so many satisfying questions to think about for the next three years. Like, yeah. And that is – um, Satisfying uh, but, or tormenting. Exactly. And what I also about that scene, if you know from watching documentaries, Harrison Ford improvised that line. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know. And yeah. Because he just felt that – because I think it was scripted as him saying, I love you too. And I just realized Han Solo wouldn't say that. No. And, uh, Not at that point. You know, just like their love-hate relationship, even to this deadly serious moment where they may never see each other again, he has, still has to be himself at that moment. It's – it's fantastic. It's the essence of Han Solo. I mean, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Great pick, Danny. All right, for me, number four, also from Empire, it's the pursuit through the asteroid feel. Before they get to the slug in the asteroid, 
I think that scene is the perfect synthesis of John Williams' music with what you're seeing on the screen. As the TIE fighters are pursuing them, you know, one is hit by a boulder and it's spinning off until it explodes, and uh, you know, C-3PO is yelping as they're, you know, <laughs> look! And, you know, um, and, and Chewbacca's eyes, when the one yep. asteroid breaks up and goes against the ship, Chewie's eyes go, like, yep. huge. And, you know, Kurt's like, you don't have to do this to impress me. And uh, Han's like, never tell me the odds. And, you know, and again, we, Han Solo is one of the, one is one of the greatest pilots in the galaxy. And besides probably Darth Vader. So when he's going in there, I mean, it's so thrilling. Like, I just watched it again not too long ago. It's still incredibly thrilling to see yeah. that, that sequence. Mm-hmm. And um, I always love when Leia says, you're not actually going to an asteroid field. And Han says, well, they'd be crazy to follow us. Well, then I always think, yeah, but if they go back, Vader's going to execute them. Of course they're going to follow yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> they know, have they, no choice. They have no choice. <laughs> they're following you. But um, – and there's a great moment uh, after that. I, I didn't catch this until I was older. Vader's on the executor, his flagship, and he's having a holographic uh, briefing with his off- with his officers. I know exactly what you're going to say. And you see one officer like put his hands up and vanish. Their ship was hit and was destroyed. Uh-huh. And Vader doesn't even notice it. Like, no. he continues with <laughs> doesn't acknowledge you know, it. Nothing. His, his orders. You know. Yep. They just lost this huge capital ship. It's like, all right, well, yeah. I got to get Luke. So you know, I got to catch these people. But yep. um, it is it is such a again, it's a perfect synthesis of action, drama, and music. It, it's. God, John Williams scores is such a such an important character in all, in all these films. So that, that's my number four. Uh, yes, yes. As the crescendos of the music, uh, well, matches uh, C three PO's screams yeah, as they go it, careening. As well the as the whining of the Tie Fighters spinning out or blowing <laughs> up. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the, exactly. The image of the one that's. Uh, I think some of its electrical systems must be damaged because you can see like uh, electricity running all throughout. You mean the TIE Fighter? Yeah, the TIE Fighter. Because it yes, doesn't blow it, up right away. As it goes yeah. spiraling and then crashes yeah. And, yeah. Uh, into a huge fireball against and, one of the asteroids. And, yes. And through all Thrilling. of that, I, I love – and I'm so glad the new movie followed suit with this in a lot of ways. I love practical effects. I love models and – Shane? Absolutely. Think, Shane, wait, wait. You're not going to be disappointed. It, it just it, – it adds so much love of, of movies that I like. Now, I like – again, I like a lot of what's in the prequels just fine to a certain extent, but – you can tell it's all computer generated. I mean, everything that should be practical effects, ninety percent of it's computer generated in those, which drives me nuts. Um, because then half the fun of of going through Star Wars: Empire and Jedi was the occasional TV special where you'd see them making the models or driving the truck past the Death Star block as they blew something yep, up. Yep. Like like all that stuff's just awesome, and that all started with Star Wars. Oh, we we can't forget how ILM. You know, oh. from some sort of seedy warehouse in you know Van Nuys, California, revolutionized special effects. Yeah. Oh, it just blows your mind. Yeah. All right, let's do our uh, number threes. Let's start with Danny. Uh, my number three is the sail barge battle um, on Java's after Java's palace, the Sarlacc pit, basically. Great pick. Um, and the main reason I chose this is it's the first time you really see Luke. Reaching his full potential. It's the first time you see the green lightsaber in any of the sagas. Yeah. Um, and it's just so stark contrast to the, the desert wasteland that is Tatooine. Um, again, and I feel like I say this every time, but great dialogue, very fast paced. Um, but you see Luke kind of step out of the farm boy slash 
sidekick to Han Solo's shadow. Um, and he does that a lot in Empire as well, but, um, you know, it, but the whole point of that is it's this boy, this guy, his friends going to rescue their friend. Um, and the lengths they go to, to rescue their friend is just incredible. Um, you got Lando in disguise, you got Leia in disguise, you got some great Boba Fett stuff. Um, you have a burping Sarlacc when it swallows Boba Fett. (laughs) Um, but that whole scene for me, the the whole opening to Return of the Jedi at that point was just mind blowing. Absolutely, Han, Han and Luke have that great dialogue on the sail barge on the on the skiff as they're riding out die there. Here. Convenient, and um, well that. But I like also like Luke's very confident in himself and his abilities. I've taken care of everything, and there's no waver in that at all. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's a great pick, Dan, because it epitomizes that scene, the, that sequence of scenes. Luke is a Jedi Knight. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. You realize that Jabba never had a chance. No, like he had no, no chance whatsoever. Like he, he 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 was done the moment Luke walked into the palace. Like it was over. Now now to build, up, to build up what Shane said, Luke is so confident, and Leia and Lando and Chewie they know that it's going to be okay. But Han has been frozen for however long, and he's just completely clueless that Luke <laughs> has all these powers and skills. Yeah, a Jedi and, Knight. I go away for a while. Get everyone gets he's blind. I mean, um. And when he shoots the the slug or the um the tentacle that has Lando, yeah, <laughs> sorry, just I trust me, um, just fantastic. Now, now I don't have I I like some of what they did with the special editions for some of the effects they put oh, me in. Too. I'm not too keen on some of the dialogue changes, and one of them is that yeah, scene there where Han's like, "It's all right, I see a lot better now." No, it's all right. Trust me is a much better line and way for Han to be. I didn't realize. I forgot they changed. That. Oh, it's it's horrible oh, the way it is. I forgot they changed that one. And, yeah. and there's another one. I in was too Empire. busy being disgusted about the uh, computer enhanced sarlacc beak popping yeah. out of the pit. There, there's another thing in Empire that I'll talk about later that they changed that I just think it completely changes the tone of the scene, and it's in the wrong way. It's terrible. Um, much is like that on Dagobah, Shane. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's on Bespin actually. Okay. Um, just like Greedo shooting first. No, there's no chance. Well. Well, tangent here because you know it's Star Wars. We have to talk about Greedo yeah. shooting first because I watched that again recently, and I my biggest problem with that scene, that my secondary problem is it just looks bad. It like, does. It looks bad. It, it it is not. It's not a seamless scene at all. But even more than that, I guess because maybe he wanted to make it more heroic. You're diluting who Han Solo is. Yeah, and you're diluting the fact that. Him coming back to the Death Star is him redeeming himself essentially mm-hmm. and elevating himself as as a person, right? And he is now. They never tell us what spice dealing is. I'm assuming it's some kind of drug. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, That's what sure, I always yeah. took it as. And That's so, been covered in the books at some point. It has. Okay, so you know he's a pirate, yeah. right? And of course he's going to kill the guy first because right. he, otherwise he could have been killed. Exactly. So and he's a scoundrel, and yeah. he's not trustworthy at that point, and no. he's not heroic. Even if he wants to be, which I'm not too confident at that point he would be, he's still not. Yeah. So he's just, the guy out for himself to protect I mean, himself. The bottom line: it's Lucas's world; he can do whatever he wants. Oh, absolutely. He's earned the right to do that. My God, but absolutely. You know, it just as as a viewer. It, it when you think of the original, and that's one of the most exciting scenes in the in the original version of the movie for me. And then you go to that; it's, it just it just doesn't work, yeah. you know. It's oh. also the one he's tinkered with the most because of the fan reaction, though. Every time they re-release the movies, 
it's changed just slightly more. Well, yeah. Dan, was it the first time? Didn't they have Han's head twist in some ridiculous way? Exactly, yeah. yeah. On the okay. Blu-rays, it's not as bad, but in the first special edition, it was just like Han all of a sudden jumps Jerks. to the right yeah. as he shoots, and it's like, how would you know to do that? Yeah. All right, Shane, what's your number three? Mine's the cantina scene from Star Wars. Oh, the, oh. the whole encompassing thing. That's got to be one of my um, Number one. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I should have with the way you were talking about it. Um, well, then I won't say much other than I loved – as much as Lucas was unhappy with that scene when he released the film, that was the bee's knees to me. That was absolutely drop dead. Oh, my God, look at all these things. And every time I watched it after that, when I could, when it was released on VHS or on HBO – I would zero in and try to see more and more creatures and who else was in the background and what else did you see? Um, that was just – that was a lot of fun. We'll save most of that for Murd's yeah. uh, eloquence. Mm, appreciate it, gentlemen. Yeah. Adam, what's your number three? Okay. Number three for me I describe on my list here as Raise the Red Five. <laughs> and this is from Empire Strikes Back. It's the scene on Dagobah in which uh, Yoda is training Luke in his uh, force manipulation exercises and he's trying – That is as... my number three too. Outstanding. Oh, wow. Okay. my number one. It's gonna, oh, oh wow. sorry, Dan. No, go for it. Go ahead. We should limit our remarks on this as well. But, no, go ahead. Um, it's when uh, Yoda gets Luke's X-Wing out of the swamp. And uh, just the swelling of the music. It's, uh, it's just this little wizened Muppet thing of the swamps just raises his hand, concentrates, and suddenly, you know, hundreds or thousands of pounds of metal just uh, surges out of the swamp and floats gracefully and just lands quietly and serenely off on the shore. And uh, he just uh, casually works a miracle. Luke doesn't believe it. And that, that is, is why you fail. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's another example of the uh, seamless meshing of uh, beautiful score. One of many just fantastically conceived leitmotifs that uh, John Williams includes in his score just to... Link it to the ideas and uh, moods presented in the course of the film. Murdy hit the nail on the head, and I can't add much more to that because I echo that sentiment. I, again, the, the – there you go. He's just doing, it, there's the Murdo, ladies and gentlemen. But that, that synthesis of the music and what's happening, it, it's, it's so seamless and beautiful. And when you think about it, all they're really doing is they're lifting a ship up and they're putting it on the ground. But the combination of the music – Mark Hamill's acting in the Dagobah oh, yeah. scenes is some of yeah. the strongest in the entire trilogy because he has to act against a Muppet. You know that's not easy, and he pulls it off. And and in a different way from acting against it on the Muppet Show. I mean, oh yeah, it's yeah. completely different. Yeah. You're at, you oh, have to treat this thing as equal, if not better. Hell, and the awe on his face yeah. when Yoda brings that ship down. It's one of, for me. It's one of the most magical moments in, in the whole trilogy. And I got it. By the way, I just I just watched Empire again as well. I so prefer the Yoda puppet to digital Yoda. <laughs> I do too. I, I do mean, too. he's so real. And Frank Oz, his, his manipulation of the puppet is so amazing. Yeah. I mean, you believe that that is not – that's more than just a puppet. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous performance. So, But yeah. that's, that's my number three too. The reason I put it in number one, I'll just chime in since we've already said sure. a lot about it. That's the first time you truly see in the whole saga what a Jedi can be. You know, we, we've got Luke pulling a lightsaber out of the snow earlier in the movie, and, and you got, you know, Darth Vader, who's basically a robot, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's basically a really old, weather-worn person, who show us a little bit about that. But that's the first time you see the true power Good of the point. Force yeah. and how magical it is. And, Chris, I absolutely echo your sentiment. Mark Hamill in those scenes, just the, the sheer look of 
both terror and amazement that's on his face when that ship floats out because he tried and he couldn't do it because he wouldn't let himself do it. That's Yoda has always been my favorite character, him and Han Solo, obviously, but Yoda is just one of those creatures that really helps set apart this from other sci-fi that I was watching at the same time. So it's, it's, it's magical to watch that scene. Yeah. All right, let's do our number twos. I'll start. Uh, I'm sure this is on other people's lists. Uh, the Duel on Cloud City. Uh, yeah. This is my number two. That's my number two as well. Um, it Might is. As well. Yeah, the the whole reveal as Dan, a Dan, is that your of, number two also? Yeah. Oh, all right. As, as a whole uh, reveal of everything yeah. that happens as a result we of that. We can all jump in then. Um, that, that whole sequence culminating in the, the final confrontation on that catwalk – um, I mean, it's Shakespearean. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it, it's talk about an, when a movie reaches sort of an epic feel. Um, and several things I've come to appreciate about it as I've watched I've watched it hundreds of times oh, yeah. in my life. Yeah. But first of all, Luke has no chance whatsoever. No. None. He, you know, almost from the beginning, there's no way he's going to win this. Like he's just not ready. And Yoda said, you know, you're not ready. And he definitely was not ready. And the fact that Vader is basically toying with him, mm-hmm. like he's throwing debris at him, and you know, and and he's know. doing things just with one hand, like just yeah. like like wasping a fly, like yeah. shushing something away. And Luke's got both hands on the lightsaber. He's all force, and and as strong as he can do it. And and Vader, boom, boom, whatever, you know, uh, you're a nuisance to me, kind of <laughs> dismissive that, way. That's and but Lu- you see Luke. I mean, he's still getting his licks, and though he hits mm-hmm. Vader in the shoulder near the end. I mean, you see the potential that he obviously has, and so does Vader, because Vader wants to capture him. I mean, I mean, and Vader knows he's a, obviously that this is his son by this point in the story. Um, but when well, he, and and, and, and to speak of that, there is yeah. that one part um, in the uh, in the the freezing chamber where Vader says, "Well, maybe you're not as strong as the Emperor thought." And meanwhile, yeah. Luke's yep. dashing away. So Vader underestimates him just Most for a split impressive. second, yes, and all of a sudden, oh. Impressive. Okay. What I also find interesting about their confrontations, Vader always assumes Obi Wan has trained Luke. Mm-hmm. He never mentions Yoda, Mm-mm. which I I just does Vader think Yoda is dead? You know, that's, I just always find that probably very interesting. you know it's yeah. very interesting. Um, but when he when Vader gives that final speech with the the glove fist and you know, it's I mean. You can't imagine anybody but James Earl Jones delivering those lines. Yeah. Like, uh, like I imagine like when David Prowse is doing a Scottish accent because oh. he would actually recite the lines so the other actors could And it wasn't even the right lines. That. Well, no, because well, we've all know the story where uh, he was told to say – I think that Ben was his father. Yeah. Oh, no, that uh, Ben killed his father. Ben, ben was his father or Ben killed – Sorry, I, maybe heard... that was it, Murd. Okay. Um, and – Dan, do you remember? Was Hamill told the last minute that to react as if it, uh, that Vader is actually your father? Yeah, Hamill was told right before they filmed the scene. Okay. Hey, the line's actually going to be this, uh, so react accordingly. Okay, because I remember in the theater, everybody was like, <gasps> like yeah. you heard this audible gasp from people, uh, which which, uh, which goes completely. Uh, somewhat gives you the red herring from earlier when the Emperor and Vader are talking at at the asteroid field. Like, yeah, you have to go. You, 
there's the Skywalker guy. Yeah, he's powerful like Vader and Emperor going back and forth with that. Well, they've changed that scene so many times. They have, <laughs> but it was always it was always ambiguous to yeah. Vader being his father, even in, no matter what they've changed it to. It was well, they never... just, I think the Emperor calls him the son of Skywalker. Right. Right. And that's as close as you so get. So you think, all right, because Skywalker was a Jedi, Vader killed him. Yeah. That's all you know because um, – and I actually well, one of my alternates will be something about that as well. But that – it's so thrilling. Mm-hmm. And you also appreciate not only Vader's – how diabolical he is and manipulative, but also his ruthlessness because he basically tells Luke, look, if you join me, we're going to kill the Emperor and take over the Empire. Like even at that stage, he's he, – he's, it's not like he's the Emperor's obedient slave. He's also plotting himself clearly to uh, supplant him. And uh, even – I mean Hamill's – sometimes Hamill's acting gets lampooned in that scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never join you, but <laughs> – it, it, he looks like a skinned rabbit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No! <laughs> no! But it's buck teeth over yeah, his it, lower it, lip. It, it still works. And, you know, the fact that he chooses suicide, he will not, he will not succumb to the dark side, essentially. He just and he, he lets himself fall down the chute. Um, well, and, and I think Vader kind of saw the writing on the wall for how much the Emperor was pushing to capture Luke by The Empire Strikes Back that not only probably Vader was plotting – Anyway, he may but, have thought he was, was going to use Luke to get rid of him. Essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's thinking, oh, well, I saw all this happen. Not that we would have known that at that point, but yeah. as the prequels came out, well, I saw the Emperor do all this with all these other guys. All he's going to do is take Luke and get rid of me now. Yeah. So I've got to take care of myself and get rid of the Emperor. And Luke's the only one that can help me do that. Yeah, that's because I think for I think at that moment, Jedi, it's different. Jedi, I think it's very much more when he decides to kill the Emperor. It's to save his son. When it's the Empire Strikes Back, it's I'm saving my own ass. Probably not necessarily yeah. because he's my son, because I have to. It's the only way I'm going to survive. And when he, it's a good point, Shane. But again, Vader's final words to Luke, you know, together we can rule the galaxy yeah. as father and son. <laughs> and I love and the way he, father and son. <laughs> That's very dramatically. Luke, you don't realize your importance. Complete your training. And, yeah. and then those back and forth right after that yeah. as Luke's rescued and, and they're, Luke, father. Oh, <laughs> back and forth for a I few mean, minutes. It's, it's one of the most epic moments in, in the whole saga. I mean, and it's still – I just watched again. It still delivers. Yeah. It's one of the most epic moments in all of the uh, popular cinema history. Yeah, good point. And you have that music doing the same thing it's done yeah. for all these things we've seen where they're, the, the Millennium Falcon's trying to escape and, and you have the, the music adapting to that yeah. perfectly. And then in those quiet moments of Luke, Father, you hear little background. Well, because he's still trying to, to seduce him right? yeah. and, and win him over. And, and, and Luke's wondering about it. He's thinking and, and very – Upset that Ben never told him. Did anything you wanted to add for that scene? Because you chose it as well. No, you guys hit all my points. I just I remember being shocked that Luke was going to choose suicide over. You know, obviously he's not going to join Vader, but for him to make that conscious effort or conscious decision after finding out that the most evil being in the galaxy is my dad. (laughs) Um, you know, and then. I think my favorite shot of the Millennium Falcon in any of the movies is when it turns around to come back and get Luke right after that. That is a great shot. Yeah. Flips over yeah, the cloud. It, the TIE fighters <laughs> pursuing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, well, and with Luke, you know, he, he's not only gotten beaten, which he didn't think he was going to do because he thought he could handle Vader. You know, hey, I, I know it might be hard, but I can do it because he, he obviously tried. 
He also lost his hand. He also learned this about his father. He's like, I am out here on a ledge. There's no one here. There's no one around. I can either join him or I can fall. And I sure as hell don't want to join him. And I don't necessarily believe him yet. So I'm going to fall. That's another good point because I remember in in between Empire and Jedi, a lot of people thought, okay, was Vader lying? Like there was a lot of debate oh, sure. about was that actually true? Yeah. But see, I believe that Luke totally bought into it because when he's on the the medical bed in the fall, oh, he's crushed. Yeah. Well, but just that he goes when you hear Vader go Luke and Luke goes Father immediately. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even yeah. hesitate. Yeah. He knows that that's true. Well, yeah. Well, Vader encouraged him to search his feelings. You know, yeah. reach out with whatever force sensitivity he now has. Good and, point, Murray. And, and, and uh, after... he realizes then, and that's when he despair overtakes him, and he does that dead rabbit now <laughs> yeah. scream as he realizes that this is in fact the truth. So now, now this whole scene leads into my other problematic change that they made that I think totally ruined Go the scene. It. So. You have Luke fallen and lost, although Vader probably at that point realizes he caught himself on the weather vane. And as he's marching back through Bespin, in the original cut, all he says very angrily is, bring my shuttle. And that's it. And it shows his anger that he not only lost Luke, that he now has to go chase after him, that if Luke escapes, he may not be able to save himself because the Emperor is going to be pissed as hell. Yeah. Versus what they changed it to was... Per, uh, something like prepare my destroyer for my arrival prepare or something my like that. I'm like, my arrival. That's yeah. kind of hokey. That they don't have to prepare for anything. They're out there only for him. It's not like they're preparing for the emperor to come. They got to pick Vader up. But yeah. the the bring my shuttle was just so angrily said. I just bought that one a lot more than announced to my shuttle to prepare. <laughs> my, uh, oh, yeah. God, I just didn't like that whole line. You're right, Shane. That that change of dialogue added. Nothing to this. Well, no. then, they, then they have the scenes of the shuttle yeah. arriving. He marches off, and it, that's all from know. Jedi. That's all cut. If you, if to me, if you watch when it's different perspectives, but yeah. if you watch that shuttle land and Vader come off, he meets the admiral or whatever in the black imperial outfit that he does in the beginning of Jedi when maybe so yeah. he first lands. I'm like, all right, well, that was kind of sucky to cut that all in there like that. Yeah. What's your number two, Murph? Uh, well, well, let me let me try and segue from what you guys were saying sure. here. Um, you want to hear something that uh, is going to break your heart. Um, I saw these movies out of order. Oh! oh! So your number two moment lost pretty much all of its impact for me. Oh. I saw Return of the Jedi first. That, that was actually the first that I saw in the theater. Okay. Because uh, New Year's Day 1985 – you know, four, four, 1984, I would have been five years old. It was my, your birthday, my yeah. fifth birthday. Yes, yeah. so we went as a birthday treat. Um, so from that and from a comic book adaptation that I had of, of from Marvel Comics yep. of the movie, I already knew that yeah. uh, Darth Vader was in fact Luke, Luke Skywalker's father. That didn't really blow my mind that much. So when I finally got around to seeing Empire Strikes Back a couple of years after that, uh, the thing that startled me the most was uh, when Vader chopped – Luke Skywalker's handoff. Mm. So, I don't know. Maybe this movie would have gotten its claws a little deeper into me if I'd seen it oh, sure. second yeah. instead of third. Yeah. Um, so, as I was saying to Shane before we got started recording, uh, my, my ranking of the original trilogy movies would probably be the original Star Wars, followed by, well, which, as you pointed out, Dan, uh, uh, the, the first 20 minutes of Return of the Jedi, the whole sequence mm. with Jabba's palace and the battle in the middle of the, of the desert. It's just thrilling, fast-paced, it's got suspenseful. Got a great Flash Gordon feel to it. Yeah, levels. even yeah. During, during the slow moments, like when yeah. Princess Leia in disguise is creeping around Jabba's yeah, palace trying to free Han. It's just edge of your seat stuff, and plus lots of cool aliens. Yeah. Then after that, Empire Strikes Back, and then the rest of Return of the Jedi is how I would rank them. Um, 
So, it, it's, so my, my number two now here. Here's mm-hmm. where the segue comes in. Is uh, one of the scenes from the original 1977 Star Wars, which I will never call anything but <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> I knew he'd take that. You can take yeah. your episode numbers and subtitles and shove them down the Sarlacc pit, because, <laughs> the pit of Carcoon, because yeah, it's it's Star Wars to me and nothing but. Um, but anyway, from that, my, my top two are both from that film, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, there's, I've heard many arguments about uh, the many merits that uh, The Empire Strikes Back has to its credit. And, you know, it's, I, I will agree that the storytelling gets a little bit more in-depth and um, it, it, it's darker and more mature in tone and all of that stuff. It, it's when Lucas is focusing a little more on the story that he's telling. Uh, in the first movie, I would argue that uh, I know, it, it's, it's more about uh, the visuals. And it, he, he seems to be you know, like painting pictures with his camera shots. It, it's cinematographically, I think, probably the best of the three. Um, and uh, you know, having spoken to both of my parents about uh, their reactions when they first saw the original Star mm-hmm. Wars in 1977, my dad just talked about what a desperately needed breath of fresh air it was to him as a lover of uh, good old-fashioned action-adventure entertainment cinema, mm-hmm. coming off of the uh, just grueling bleakness and seriousness of 70s cinema verite. He wanted a movie with a good, uh, rousing, action-packed storyline and a happy ending, and Star Wars was just like a... Fire many many people felt that way about it. You know? My mother, on the other hand, uh, said that she thought it was hilarious <laughs> because um, – well, I, I can get back into that when I talk about my number one. But uh, just the point I'm making here is that uh, Lucas, in, a, in the way he designed a lot of the shots and locations and so forth and uh, so some of the vis- – a lot of the visual elements of the mise-en-scene, he was doing something that uh, Quentin Tarantino would also do in, in some of his uh, films, mm-hmm. especially Kill Bill. It became sort of a postmodern pastiche love letter to uh, many of the uh, old uh, um, film serials, oh, like, like every yeah. Flash Gordon serial, every B-movie yeah. Western and Tarzan movie that uh, little Georgie Lucas grew up uh, yeah. watching on, at Saturday matinees. Um, and it, 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 Tarantino in his movies could uh, point to, you know, especially in Kill Bill, could point to each scene and say, okay, I, I picked this out of this obscure Hong Kong uh, yep. grindhouse Kill movie. Kill Bill is my favorite Tarantino films, mm-hmm. actually. I think I would probably agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I, I enjoy those too. Um, but uh, all of which really has less to do with my number two than I had originally thought when I started <laughs> this tangent. But uh, uh, my number two choice is uh, it's a scene – um, on Tatooine, uh, Luke has just – I think it's uh, the evening of the day when the two droids first enter his life. Mm-hmm. And he's just standing out there outside oh, the moisture farm. That's a mother's favorite scene. As uh, yep. the, t- the twin sons of Tattoo Beautiful. are setting in the far – I guess it would be the west. I don't know how, which, in which direction Tatooine uh, revolves. <laughs> we'll but, go uh, with west. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, OK. And uh, as the John Williams score surges oh. in the background, he's just standing there with this – searching look on his face, gazing off to distant horizons, literally and metaphorically, just imagining what his future might hold and how desperately he wants to get off of this rock and seek his destiny among the stars. And there are the two nearest stars to him, the binary sun of Tatooine sinking in the west. It's a gorgeous shot. And it's, it's very believable, too, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, especially given the, technolo- the cinematic technology of 1977. It, it, you could believe that he's on a planet with yeah. two actual suns. It's a very well, I guess, spliced. This one uh, has always looked away yeah. to the future. The past on where he was. Hmm? What, he what was he was doing? doing. Yeah. And that's exactly what I thought of when, yeah, when you yeah. said that, actually. Just, and I, I, but that, that scene, it, I really related to that. You know, this is what I've been saying about uh, the original movie and how it captured 
that generation of filmgoers, especially the young people, the me generation. Yes. Because a lot of them, I'm sure, especially those seeing the film in rural areas, uh, you know, kind of equivalent to Tatooine in terms of desolation, <laughs> just their dreams of uh, finding uh, bigger things for themselves, new lives, new horizons uh, in their lives to come. And uh, star and just the, the, the possibility of uh, suddenly finding themselves launched on some kind of great star-spanning adventure the way Luke did. Well, it's just... Uh, that scene sort of anchors the, the, that arc for him and for the audience, and it's 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 where it's sort of my point of entry as uh, you know, as identifying with Luke as a POV character. I've always related very strongly to that particular scene, and uh, so I, I chose it as my number two. And well, I think that's that's something they did brilliantly and correctly with how they ended Revenge of the Sith was to mirror that image at the end as oh yes baby Luke was yes. being handed off i always thought that that was absolutely just be- just as beautiful all right let's go to our number ones let's start with shane uh one oh, i'm sorry okay. this might be a good time to revisit our uh, oh sponsors. yes yes thank you for reminding me geekfuel.com uh go there for all your geek present ordering needs or even if you just want it for yourself because lord knows i do enough present buying for myself over the years um Check out their website. Look at what kind of packages they have to order a monthly um, or one-time gift mystery box filled with all kinds of geek paraphernalia, sci-fi, and pop culture related. It can be stickers. It can be figures, comics, uh, pamphlets, books. There's always a Geek Fuel magazine that accompanies it that has some pretty interesting articles and some fun stuff to read. Um, Take a look and see what you think. Uh, mystery boxes seem to be all the rage, and, and geekfuel.com's website and, and products certainly gives you a, a, a good bang for your buck. So check them out. Order something for your uh, for your geek lover, friend, family member, or yourself uh, at the holiday time or any time throughout, throughout the year. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good resource and a, a great uh, value. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're here. Lots of great pop culture branded merchandise, entirely at random. Yeah, it's a cool surprise. You can either just buy one and done, or you can order a subscription plan, three months, six months, or an entire year, and uh, it gets a little more uh, affordable, I guess. Uh, the oh, yeah. longer term yeah. plan you buy. So that's geekfuel.com. Let's go to our number ones. All right, let's start with Shane. Oh, good heavens. All right, so my number one is one of those that encompasses the trash compactor scene. I love, love, love the escape of the Death Star in Star Wars. Like Dan said, it's when all the heroes are together for the first time. There's animosity between Leia and Han, but yet they're still thrilled with each other when they escape the Death Star and they're on the Falcon and they blow up the ships following them. Even though Leia's like, ah, that's easy, they're tracking us. They're still excited that they escaped it all. Um, We did it! um, We did it! There's... (laughs) (laughs) There's um, 3PO and R2-D2 making their way to the hangar bay. Um, especially after three people thought he killed everyone when everyone's screaming in the trash compactor and they're celebrating that they, that it stopped from R2 stopping it. Um, it's, it's just cinematically spectacular scene. All those sets, all those bad, poorly marksman, uh, stormtroopers who can't hit the broadside of a garage, um, <laughs> was still a lot of fun to watch them escape the Death Star. Your first little in, uh, intonation of a lightsaber battle, while compared to the other ones that followed, it is nothing, but it's still the first one. So it's Obi-Wan Invader, and, and it, it's it's just spectacular, um, especially to my, my five-year-old mind when I saw it. 
Uh, there's just a lot of things right there. There's the swing across the chasm with Leia and Luke well before they were ever brother and sister. Here's a kiss for luck, and then they swung across, and, and he's all thrilled because he's become the hero he always dreamed to be. He's saving the princess who he's got the hots for yes. no matter what <laughs> happens later. Um, it, it's just there's a lot of good things going on there. Uh, <laughs> funny story about all of that is when when that first starts to happen and they're on the Death Star – they're they're kind of in this little annex communications room where the two kind of supervisors are overlooking the hangar bay, and at some point they're trying to get to the guards that are down there, and they're going TK four two one. Why aren't you interposed? Yeah. Well, I again I listen to this kind of stuff at work all the time. You know, whether it be the radio dramas, which I'll talk about at the end of the of the whole thing. I want to say something about those um, dramas or the um or the actual movie. And and I have a very Tourette's thing that sometimes if something just strikes me, I'll just blurt it out. So I'm sitting there going, TK421, why aren't you at your post? And uh, my, my one coworker who sat aside of me um, replied with the next line. And <laughs> we went back and forth for like 10 minutes with that whole scene. And one of the people across the way is like, what are you doing? And we're like, Star Wars, man. She's like, well, I've never seen it. I'm like, oh, my God. How have you never seen it? <laughs> They're everywhere. So then so – then, the person that sits behind me started doing it too after the ones that the person aside of me did. So we had like three or four people included on this going through this dialogue of this scene when they were just starting to make plans to escape the Death Star. And it all started with TK421. Why aren't you at your post? <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, it's, it's just Shane, fantastic. you talk about you talk about people that haven't seen Star Wars before. My first date with my wife was the first time she saw Star Wars, the original Star Wars. Well, and and that mine we I got married in um, September of of 96 and that following year in 97 when they re-released the special editions, that was the first time my wife saw it too. So I I, I won't say much about people who have never seen it, but Carlene was, "Yeah, all right, let's go see it." And I said, "We're going to get to the theater. We're going to get there like 2 hours early." She's like, "Are you crazy?" I'm like, "We're going to get there 2 hours early and there were 10 people ahead of us." For the special edition even. And that's yeah. after everyone's seen it hundreds of times. Yep. And then to go see the special edition, people are still waiting that long. So I'm like, yeah, it's, 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 it's a thing. It's a phenomenon. <laughs> well, think about it. I mean, like just what you said about your coworkers, I'm, I'm sure probably all roughly around your age. Oh, yeah, yeah. So – and Merv was referencing this before. Younger people may not realize just the, the awesome impact. impact this had on American popular culture and yeah. the world really because – the 1970s, as Bird mentioned, I mean that's a period of cinema I really love, but the film was kind of reflected the zeitgeist of the times, how mm-hmm. the United States was coming out of Vietnam Deeply and Watergate. disaffected. You had, you know, had urban decay, inflation, gas shortages, um, and a lot of the films reflected that, that feeling of unease and turbulence and strife that was in our – you got a, lot of, a hell of a lot of great movies out of that, mm-hmm. but at the same time – a movie like Star Wars was in many ways like a surge of oxygen for people who were looking – like your father described Merv, looking for that, that sort of that escapist adventure they, they grew up with and yeah. it was really missing from films uh, in the 1970s. And, and Lucas just – he just hit things at just the right moment. I mean Star Wars comes out years later. It might get lost in other mm-hmm. special yeah. effect-related films. Um, years before, it will look ridiculous and clunky and the effects won't work. It was just the right moment. And yeah. the rest is history. Sure is. Right, Danny, what's your number one, number one? Oh, yours was uh, the X-Wing, right? Yeah, but I've got a piece to add to that if you don't Please, mind. go ahead. Um, a, an alternate number one, if you will, but it's <laughs> part of the same series of scenes, is the Yoda reveal. 
when he goes oh, from great. the little the little imp that's ripping through Luke's yeah. containers. Mine, mine, exactly. <laughs> to the point where I cannot train him. That's great. It, it's just much like the lifting of the the Red Five out of the the swamp. It's the first time you see another Jedi, and just he goes from the playful little weird little green creature with the big ears that you have no idea who this is to the Jedi master and just the slight change in Frank Oz's voice completely changes the great performance by Oz. Um, it's just his performance as Yoda in empire strikes back is just unbelievable to me. Wars make not one great. Yeah. Dan, that's a great scene. I always, I always think of my younger son, Jun, because he's such an imp. When Yoda's like thwacking R2 with his cane and crawling through (laughs) Luke's provisions. I can see that. How you get so big eating food of this kind? It's a great, great pick, Danny. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're making a mess. All right, uh, uh, let's save merge number one for last because I really want to hear him hold forth on the aliens in the cantina. Uh, my number one is the scene in the Star Wars saga that to this day still gives me chills and moistens my eyes. Sister, you have a twin sister. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from you. Now his failure is complete. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. And then Williams, this incredible choral music comes in. And, you know, they're battling. And at that moment, you realize, oh, shit, Vader's going to lose. Like, Luke is more powerful now. And... It is this epic moment of just father versus son, good versus evil. And I, every time I see this scene, I always think, God, I wish this had gone on longer because the music is so powerful. And, and you know, the, the chorus swells and the, the strings and um, the emperor's cackling with delight. Yeah. And that whole sequence, really, when the emperor is, like, is trying to tempt Luke, you want this? The hate is swelling. Take your Jedi weapon. Strike me down. With all of your hatred. I'm defenseless. I mean, it's... Well, God, the guy played Palpatine was outstanding. Oh, my he, God, he, yeah. He was outstanding. But that scene, especially when, when Vader realizes that Leia exists, because he didn't know up until that moment, and mm-hmm. Luke's feeling... He can't conceal his feelings. And Luke's hiding in this... Because Luke's trying not to fight, because a Jedi only fights for defense, never for attack. But he, you know, once Vader says, "Well, if you if you don't turn, I'm going to corrupt your sister." That's it. Yeah. And you see Luke moving towards the dark side. Oh yeah. Because, I mean, Vader's done. Like like he's down on the railing. He cuts his hand off. I mean, it, it's for me. It's still the most powerful scene in. It's like the culmination of everything. That that moment where Vader's at his most sinister, because he's he's basically talking about corrupting his own child. And Luke uh, is another child. Yeah, another <laughs> child. We just found out about. Yeah. And Luke is at this crossroads where the light and the dark are battling within him. And earlier in that scene, where Vader says almost wistfully, "Obi Wan has taught you well." And uh, oh, it's it's my favorite moment in the whole, fi- the whole all the films. Now I know as as Luke calms himself down and he's huffing and puffing and holding his lightsaber, he looks at his own hand and yep. looks at what he did to his father. That's fine. But before that. As he's teetering closer and closer to the dark side, I really think in if, if this was a reality that was happening, I really think if the emperor had not gotten up to applaud 
and cackle at that moment, <laughs> I don't think Luke would have stopped because yeah. that that moment is when he kind of like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah, this guy's laughing over here well, and he's happy. Shit, man, I'm closer to what he wanted me to do than I ever thought I would be. Yeah. Whoa. Well, this is coming on the heels of him slashing off his oh, father's Oh, absolutely, hand, so. absolutely. And that did shock him out of it as well. But but just that that moment when the emperor gets up and starts applauding because he feels like he's won. He's got it. He's going to get rid of this old decrepit Vader who's almost useless to him now and bring in this new kid who's stronger, still a Skywalker, and he's going to rule the roost now. Until okay. I have no use for him, and then I'll go after his sister. Of course. <laughs> I also love the fact in that scene that the minute Luke comes out of attacking, like like you said, Chris, Vader's not got a chance. But Vader never goes on the offensive again. No, it's no. just complete hack and slash. Luke on pure emotion. Yeah. He, like you said, he's got no chance. He's done. Well, the minute the minute he brought up Leia, forget it. I mean, oh, that yeah. was that was it. So yeah, he snapped. All right, Murd, let's hear it. The Cantina. All right. Well, just to drive home one more time that, uh, for <laughs> me, Star Wars is really all about the aliens. See, this... I would not be quite the Star Wars fan I am today if a uh, little... And I think I was actually a little younger than you were, Chris, when I saw this movie for the first time. Mm. I might even have been, like, as young as three. Oh, wow. Um, if I hadn't had the aliens in the Mos Eisley Cantina to, to geek out over. Because um, back then, and even sometimes, even now, if you said the word Star Wars to me, the first thing I thought of wouldn't have been Luke or Darth Vader or lightsabers or X-Wing fighters or Wookiees or, uh, or any of that stuff. The first thing that would pop into my head is the image of that triangular-headed alien, the Arcona. The first image you see after Luke and Obi-Wan go into the cantina, which pops up into the from the oh, bottom sure, of the frame. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> just pops up with those glittering uh, – I have an image of it up here on my computer screen yeah. right now. Those glittering iridescent eyes as that triangular-shaped oh, yeah. head pops up and looks around a Absolutely. little bit as the uh, figure and Dan and the modal nodes are wailing in the background. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's – now this is where we get back to my mother finding Star Wars hilarious because she appreciated it on rather a different level than my dad did. She saw what Lucas was doing as far as uh, referencing slyly uh, – uh, you know all of his old uh, childhood favorite movies, and so what we had here is the classic scene from the um, horse opera, the old western, where the uh, the white hats walk into a, yep, a, absolutely the saloon on the bad side of town, and inside yep. you see all kinds of mean hombres, maybe some like uh, you know Chinese laborers or Mexican banditos, you know <laughs> aliens, right? And they're all in there plotting some kind of uh, no good business devilry among themselves, and they all kind of look up from their beers and you know sneer at the the good guys as they're walking in, and that's what my mother saw when she looked at this scene in the in the Mos Eisley Cantina, what? this and hive of scum and villainy. And that's what Roy Thomas saw when they were trying to sell him on convincing Marvel to take the Star Wars license because he saw the Macquarie creature. He saw designs. the Macquarie, and he was sold on that Cantina scene because, just like your mother, he said, "Oh, I get what he's trying to do. This is." This is a Western scene. Well, and for that scene, yeah. With it from that moment forward. Hmm. Elsewhere, it was more like sword and sorcery in outer yeah. space. But for yeah. that moment, it was a Western. Yeah. And uh, that's, it, it worked very well. And the alien designs, you know, a credit to Macquarie and to makeup artist Rick Baker and the many other people who helped to make these creature effects work. But there's a lot of cool aliens in that scene. I mean, Moma Nadon, the hammerhead. is yeah. uh, Well, because we, as a kid, they hadn't made up these names yet. So no, when you no. got the action figures, it was Hammerhead, hammerhead. Snaggletooth, Greedo, Walrus Man. Walrus Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. which all sound kind of like racial slurs to us nowadays, <laughs> but worked just fine for us as kids in the yep. 70s and 80s. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so yeah, we had uh, the walrus man in there, the the Devaronian, you know, the 
devil horn yep, guy right. sitting there in the back, you know, yeah. grinning that wicked pointy toothed <laughs> grin and drinking his drink as you hear high pitched laughter. <laughs> <laughs> giving you the impression that they've walked into a little pocket of hell, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Muff Tack the Towels, the big shaggy white guy who talked by uh, little, manipulating yeah, that little yeah. proboscis Kind of wiped his little straw-looking thing. Yep. The women, the women with the hookahs and the, and the braids. Oh, right, the, uh, the Danica sisters. Is that what they were called? Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the guy with the, the deformed nose and the hookah pipe that he's smoking – Danic yep. Jericho, Anzat of the Anzat. I'm getting a lot of this from the uh, Tales from the Maz Eisley Cantina anthology. Ah, uh, that's a great book. Oh, God. I read the hell out of that when I was in junior high, Dan. <laughs> and how perfect is the bartender in that scene? Just the grimace on his face? Well, and, and, hey, and, we don't serve their kind here. <laughs> that's not his voice. He He's a very British voice, like much like David Prowse. So. I've always thought oh. it was probably dubbed. Oh, wow. is that dubbed? Oh, that's totally dubbed. That. Thank yeah. you for conform- confirming that, Shane. I am that, 99% sure that's all dubbed. Because that was filmed in Britain, that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the uh, Is it Elstree? What's the name of the studio? Uh, I think it was Elstree, Elstree Studios. Yeah. yeah. The exteriors were Tunisia. Right. Yeah. But the interiors, they're all British actors yeah. for the most part. Yeah, Good point. Um, yeah. Aunt Beru also dubbed. They dubbed her voice in the original. Really? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. It was very I think that was more done. because they had a trouble recording her. I don't think it was because they didn't like her portrayal. But okay, is it is it her still her voice doing redubs or that I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna go with yes. I hope so. Yeah, I like Amparo. Yeah, her blue milk. Come on. <laughs> uh, anyway, tons of cool creatures. Uh, some some of them actually kind of scary to me. And you know, the the two times that a Wolfman type thing appeared on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, the one where he's uh, – one of them is sitting there looking straight at the camera, lowering a glass from its lips, and you see its fangs yes. and the, that horrible growl. The, the, yeah, the, the foley, the sound design for that scene is also top-notch. Lots of creature effects sort of casually mixed into the background chatter and dialogue. Yes. And, uh, and the, of course, the music of uh, Figure and Dan and the modal nodes, that, that <laughs> ridiculously catchy tune. You know, later sort of done as a disco <laughs> remix <laughs> by, by Miko, <laughs> who's a Pennsylvania native, did you oh, know? Oh, get out. No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was from uh, Johnsonburg, I think okay. it's called, someplace in the northwest part of the state. Wow. How about that? Weird arm-like creature that juts across the screen into the face of one of, of the other of creatures. Of the Wolfman, right? Yeah. That was the other <laughs> When I was a kid, there were certain, you know, I first saw this at the age of three, and the fact that there were some parts that were really kind of scary and disturbing, and I thought of that immediately when you mentioned the charred remains of uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Yeah. Because that affected me just as it did you, Chris. Those charred black skeletons yeah. sprawled. Um, that showed us that uh, Lucas was meant business. Yes. And it showed me as a kid that this wasn't just another fairy tale. This was something with a difference. So I, I couldn't look at the screen whenever those skeletons appeared. And, and, and also I, whenever those two wolf men were on screen. Yeah. Well, what I appreciate about that is not only did it did it show the severity of, of what was happening, but it was not done bloodily, meaning like there was not a lot of blood throughout any of the movies. No. The, the closest you came was when uh, what Walrus's ma- arm got chopped off. Oh, yes. arm, yes. and, and, and that's the most blood I think you saw out of anything throughout the movies. I think you're probably right, yeah. Well, because think about it because – whether using a laser or a lightsaber, I mean, everything is going to cauterize the wound. Yeah, absolutely. So. But, it, but it also helped not disgust young viewers right. without taking away from the severity of what was happening. Yeah. Good point. Anything else you want to add for your number one, Murph? Uh It seems to me there was one other thing, but uh, 
Yeah, it's not coming to me now. But yeah, it's that that scene sums up just everything I love most about Star Wars. Yeah. There's a lot of other things to enjoy about these movies besides the creatures and aliens. Don't get me wrong, but that that's what captured my young imagination, and to this day, it's it's what anchors my appreciation for the the film as a as a series. All so, right. uh, in in one word, Chris, are there alien creatures to enjoy in The Force Awakens? Yes. Okay. Many, many. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Yes, that's that's all I need to yes. know. Now, the cantina scene, uh, you all know I love Legos. I mean, my oldest son loves Legos, but but he's somewhat growing out of it to a certain extent. I still love Legos. I love the idea of Legos and, and things that come out. However, I can't stand the Star Wars ones, mostly because for the most part, all you get are ships, ships upon ships upon ships. Very few play sets. Now, there is Endor. There have been some There's Hoth bases. There, there are things. There, there's uh, the Ewok Village is the of big course, the Death Star. One. There's the big Death Star, and that's a great playset. I yeah. mean, that's top notch. But you're talking big bucks for yes. that. However, last year they came out with the Cantina playset. Now I bought one. I haven't put it together yet. I, I've had it for at least a year, but it's still a good playset. It folds up into a Cantina. It unfolds to play with. It's what a traditional playset reminds me of. Um, so the Cantina, I agree with you, Mer. That's that's tops of my list as well um that's right up there uh, um as my number three but it, it was it was up there for forever because that was a great scene on many levels um not only for all the alien creatures but the the cantina toy that came out all the little aliens that came with it that was the place to go that was a good scene without being just a ship other than the Death Star playset and some of those little weird um, plastic-based, cardboard-backed type playsets, which were fine, but here was the bar. Here was the cantina. Here was where everybody was, all at one scene, one little playset. Uh, Do you remember the original Kenner cantina playset? Yeah, absolutely. It was like the plastic base mm-hmm. with the cardboard and background and slip into the – Did into it the... have a cardboard bar or did it skip the bar and it was just a picture of a bar on the background? I remember there being – Tables with the little pegs you could put their feet on. Okay. So I don't think there was a bar, but someone can correct me on that on the form. Well, and, I, and I, I know that like that was also if you ordered the one from Sears Roebuck, that's where you got the blue snaggletooth, the fully sized disco tall one, disco yeah. boots. Yeah, yeah. Um, that goes for a pretty penny today. I liked how later um, with the the ninety what was it ninety six resurgence of figures. They had eventually had playsets that had the bar, and each piece came with a stool, the bar, and two or three aliens in there. One had the bartender and two aliens. One had Obi-Wan and a couple of aliens. There were three or four of those sets to put together to make the bar. Um, yeah, they, they did a lot of good stuff with the cantina. That's why we do our lightning round of uh, oh my God. alternates. Let's, uh, let's have Danny go first. Okay. Um, my alternates are kind of just like, Different touch points of scenes that just stick out to me. Go for it. Um, you'll never find a wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> when they're looking over onto Moss Eisley, just unbelievable to me. Um, the one scene I always wanted to play act as a kid was dressing up like the Stormtrooper. So when they get the armor in the Death Star, and it's mm-hmm. part of, Shane, it's part of yours really with the Death Star escape. The whole disguising yourself and Chewbacca reacting to Luke when he tries to put the binders <laughs> on him. Yeah. Yeah, Han, why don't you put these on? Um, Obi Wan on Dagobah when he's telling Luke about Leia, and you know that's why your sister remains anonymous. Great scene. Um, Vader's um, 
resolution at the end. Tell your sister you were right about me. Mm-hmm. That's a great moment to me. Um, Han and Leia when they're repairing the Falcon um, oh, they, for the yes. first time. The speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi. Love the speeder bike. It's way cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the attacks of the Adats at Hoth. And then probably the, the my favorite alternate that I have on here. Well, of course, the Death Star Trench in A New Hope. Um, Han, when he's on Tauntaun, going to rescue Luke. Because you see how close they've become yes. between the two movies. Um, you know, he's out there to rescue his friend. Hell or high water, he's not going to be stopped until yeah. he finds his friend. Slices open the Tauntaun to keep him warm. Um, and then just to give the prequels a little bit of love, because I didn't <laughs> mind the prequels, any scene that Ewan McGregor was in. Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan was probably oh, the high point he's of great. the oh, prequels. Absolutely I'd was. love it if they put him in a solo film. I said that to Mur before yeah. we re- started recording. Yep, absolutely. And that's a, that, that's he's in a lot of my alternates. Yep. Until then, we'll just have to be satisfied with the solo stories in the current Marvel Which comics. have been wonderful. Yeah. Oh, that's been great. So that's my lightning round of alternates. All right, Shane, fire away. Um, I have um, Obi-Wan and Jango Fett's fight on Kamino. Um, the opening crawl and the first scene in Star Wars, that, that when you first oh. see the crawl go and you see the Star Destroyer oh, following the blockade runner. It takes your breath away. I, I love that scene in the the – episode of that 70s show where they go to see that the first time and they show them just yeah i was thinking about that oh my god they're just joking with each other about how lame they think this is going to be yeah it cuts to them sitting there agog mouths (laughs) hanging open watching all of this um and and in that same vein the opening crawl in the first scene for phantom menace because love or hate the prequels that first instance before you knew or thought about what was wrong with them to see a new crawl go through and a new scene come out of that when you never thought another Star Wars movie would be made at that point, was still awesome. Um, Obi-Wan and Anakin's duel from uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, that was great, yeah. The trench scene and the blow-up of the first Death Star. Um, Obi-Wan searching for uh, information in the city and in the Jedi Temple in Attack of the Clones. Mm. Again, a Ewan McGregor thing, but it's great because you see more of what is going on with the Jedi more than just what you know. Yeah, you get to see the library. You get to see the librarian come and, well, nothing in the archives is wrong, but yet Obi-Wan has proof that something's wrong, mm-hmm. as well as him seeing a friend at that diner. Um, his, con- his, his informant, it, yeah. And, and good buddy, something else has happened with him, and, and that dude's certainly had a life. Um, all of Hoth. I can't disseminate between this Hoth part of awesome. Hoth or not. Hoth is just fantabulous. Hoth is, Hoth is World War One meeting space fantasy, essentially. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. Um, the escape from Bespin, and I even love the special edition for what they did in the backgrounds of Bespin, not making well, they showed it look more of the activity of the city. Yeah, and yeah, and, like and gave it tones that it would yeah. have given those colors. Um, Jabba's palace. Uh, once Luke arrives, especially I, I love from that point on. The whole Ronker fight is in there. Yeah, um, the massive Jedi defense against the droid army on Geonosis, because again, you've got like thirty Jedi going after. All kinds of droids. You got them doing all kinds of stuff, and they're still getting defeated. But it's still impressive to see. It's still a lot of fun. Um, the first time you see the Jedi Council Chamber with Qui Gon and Obi Wan, and you're like, "Oh wow, cool! There's a whole council. Look at the secret room. Oh my god!" All... You know that was kind of cool. The first time hearing the Imperial March and the Empire Strikes Back. That's one of my favorite uh, orchestral parts in any movie ever. Um. The special edition for me in Jedi where I liked 
seeing everybody across the universe I celebrating. Like too. I thought that was a lot of fun. Would tra- would word travel quite that fast? Probably not, but it was fun to see everybody from all the planets we know celebrating. I um, like that part, but I miss the original Ewok song. Yeah, me too. I don't. No <laughs> nub, no deal. I didn't like nub nub. We actually sang. Well, we didn't, but uh, the, our high school chorus actually did sing the did Ewok <laughs> celebration song in a choral concert once. Um. For Revenge of the Sith, the opening space battle and rescue of Palpatine, I think that is just spectacular it's to see exciting, that yeah. much of a space battle where they're you're following the Jedi ships and you're like, okay, they're going somewhere. And all of a sudden they duck down over one of the destroyers and you see just thousands of ships going at it and yeah. fire everywhere. Um, the interaction between Commander Cody and Obi-Wan, I love that. I wish we would have had more of that mm. because I thought Commander Cody was an awesome stormtrooper, clone trooper type yeah. character. I wish they would have been able to do more with him. Um, the one small scene in Revenge of the Sith where Anakin's apologizing to Obi-Wan for being so frustrated with yeah. the council and Obi-Wan's like, you know, it, it's You're okay. You're going to be a great Jedi. It, yeah. that, that just father-son, brother-to-brother, master-to-student interaction is great. And it's only a couple minutes long. Um, the opening scene of Jedi when Vader comes out of the oh. Star Destroyer on the Tidarium shuttle and goes to the thing. The wings are unfolding. The escorts are turning to one side. You see all the unfinished parts of the Death Star as they get closer. It, it's just something really neat about that uh, for me. Um, so when Anakin is the opening scene Jedi, uh, the bounty hunter scene in Empire when you see all Vader trying bounty to recruit <laughs> Bosk and IG-88 and oh, Dengar no and Forlom. Um, Han being frozen, that was yours. Uh, Murd, this is no cave. Yeah, there, there you go. So as I was writing them down, I ranked them. I had four for Star Wars. I had seven for Empire, three for Jedi, three for Phantom Menace, three for Attack of the Clones, and four for Revenge of the Sith. Pretty good distribution, Shane. All right. I liked a lot about all those movies. And props for being more fair to the prequels. There was a lot of good in it. I mean, I know you could cut half of every one of them out, but there, there still was some good stuff going on in there. Just wasn't. Fire away. All right. Uh, number one on my list is uh, was also on your list, Dan. It was uh, the final moments of Anakin Skywalker, no longer Darth Vader, when he wants to look on his son with his own eyes. And he passes away in his son's arms, and we hear the you know, just a few sad, slow, pathetic notes of the Imperial March plucked yeah. out on a lone harp as the yeah. station falls. Well, the Death Star falls apart around them. Huge pathos there. It's... I very nearly made it onto the top five. Um, I have the trash compactor scene, but specifically the uh, when the Dianoga pops its red eye out of the garbage stew and looks around <laughs> way again. Yeah, it's again focusing on the aliens. Um, uh, the, uh, the the whole sand crawler sequence uh, on Tatooine. Oh, from, that's, uh, oh that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, from uh, when R2 is being stalked by the Jawas, yeah. which is com- completely soundless, musicless. It's just really pretty eerie. Uh, to when uh, he and C-3PO come to on board the sand crawler and they're surrounded by all those uh, uh, strange droids. which cool. are- and then that duck-billed droid that uh, jabbers to itself yeah. in whatever language that it is. It's, it's, it's pretty – it's tantamount to more cool aliens to yeah. be interested yeah. in. So, yeah. so that uh, that scene was uh, was fascinating to me as a kid. Um, I have Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's death as well. That's mm-hmm. on my list. Um, when Ponda Baba's arm was chopped off by Obi-Wan, that, that's sort of a subset of my number one. Uh, the hollow chess game aboard the oh, Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, the scene when at the end of the duel between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader on the Death Star when uh, Obi-Wan sights Luke off in the distance, yep. gets that funny little smile on his face as he realizes it's time to embrace his destiny and just lowers his weapon, yep. lets Darth Vader strike the final blow, 
and some of the well, most transparent, the poor special effects of the entire movie is, is suddenly the, the empty robe falls down. Right. And, and, uh, and uh, he becomes more powerful than anyone could possibly imagine. Yeah. Uh, yes, and Empire Strikes Back when C-3PO gets shot on Bespin. Stormtroopers. Uh, when Han Solo is tortured on Bespin is another one. Uh, jumping back to the first Star Wars movie, uh, when Princess Leia uh, is uh, in her cell and Darth Vader brings in that hovering interrogation oh. droid. Uh, that was eerie. That's another thing. The needles made me nervous back then. As, and what's great about that scene, right before the door slides shut, Vader is moving towards her, menacing the door. And then you see a, a, an Imperial naval trooper marching down the Yeah, yeah that always kind of confused me when I was very small. Yeah. I was wondering, what does that droid do to her? Does, are we supposed to assume from that cut that uh, Leia has been somehow transformed into an Imperial trooper and that's her stalking <laughs> down? <laughs> yeah, so, so, but uh, I figured that out pretty quickly. But uh, you know, people being turned into things has always freaked me out a little okay. bit. So that's, that's I remembered me. realizing after Return of the Jedi that he tortured his own daughter. Yeah, like, yep, yeah. Not a nice guy. Speaking of torture, uh, the scene in Jabba's palace with EV-99 <laughs> in the droid dispatchery where she's uh, applying hot irons to that poor power droid's yeah, feet. Yeah. No, 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 no. R2, don't leave me. Oh. You're a feisty little one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, Yub Nub, the whole uh, Ewok uh, celebration song. I, I, you know, even even as an 11-year-old boy, I hated that song in Jedi. <laughs> I, I I didn't mind the Ewoks back then. I, I don't really mind them now, but I hated that the the song that they sang to celebrate was the Star Wars theme. That made no sense to me at all. It always I prefer that me. to the one they put in the oh yeah edition. with the uh, no. Zamfir pan pipes. <laughs> Zamfir. No, no. no <laughs> substitute was, for my yub nub. I was perfectly happy getting rid of yub nub. Nope, need the yub nub. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Nien Nun, the, the uh, no, Lando's co-pilot, yeah, his, yeah. his chuckling as, as the, the Death Star explodes. <laughs> now, <laughs> I used to imitate that when I was in first grade. I thought it here's something specifically about that character I never knew. Uh, Ben's been getting the Topps Star Wars cards, and yeah. they span all of the movies, mm-hmm. but they look like the original Star Wars mm-hmm. cards. One of them has a, scene, a, a cutaway, a behind-the-scenes thing of Nyub Nyub. He was a puppet. I really? always thought it was a guy in a costume. I didn't know that. There's one guy behind with his arms through and another guy controlling the head. Or, oh, wow. It was not what I, I just thought it was a guy was dressed a up a as an alien. Huh. I that, could not believe it. This is new one on me, too. I'll, I'll have to try and remember to bring that maybe to show you guys next time we get together. Please. That blew me away. And maybe it changed, but the, I, the card's there. I mean, the pictures are on it. It was it – so? I'm like – I said to Ben, I've never seen this before. This is courtesy of the Henson Creature Shop then, wouldn't it? I, I guess. It would have to be. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very convincing puppeteering. It, it was something. Uh, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Uh, the fall of the Executor, when uh, Vader's oh, flagship crashes yep. into the Death Star 2. That's, uh, that's a heck of a scene. Intensify forward power power. Too late. Just a big freaking explosion. Yeah. And oh. it gives you an idea of how Huge, the Death Star. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 that ship was enormous. And it's yeah. like a little thing as it plummets into it. Yeah. Moon-sized. Um, oh, very important. Uh, when uh, Darth Vader finally makes the inward decision during the final well, – well, when, when the Emperor is torturing his son yeah. to death, he, he decides to take action and slay his former master and toss him into the core. Well, him looking back and forth from Luke yeah. to the Emperor, which feels like it's a long time. It and, sure like, does. agony of, of indecision. And then finally he just kind of lurches backwards yeah. and lurches forwards, grabs the Emperor yeah. as the Force lightning you know, reveals his skeleton within yeah. his armor. It's, it's, that, that's a very cool scene. And I think at that, I think that point the Emperor had no clue whatsoever. No. He never would have thought of that. Well, Vader was like a wounded dog crawling back to his 
his master. Didn't yeah. think there was even a spark of good left in there. So yep. Again, it's the emperor's hubris. Now, what yeah. you pointed out, Shane, about his cackling and gloating a little too soon over Luke's um, mm-hmm. not yet assured conversion, that uh, was his undoing, and yep. as was his, uh, also his undoing, his overestimation of the job he did on Anakin Skywalker in the yeah. first place. Yep. Um, I think the uh, I think I've got one more here. Oh, yeah, I added the bounty hunter scene to my list here, Shane. I can't believe I for, forgot about that one, but thank you. That's an important source of cool creatures. Yeah. In the second movie, and uh, the one and only thing I've got on this list from the prequel trilogy is from the Phantom Menace, uh, the scene where uh, Qui Gon and Obi Wan and uh, Jar Jar are in the Pongo going through the planet core. They're pursued by that Colo Clawfish. Then suddenly they turn a corner and a Sando Aqua monster shows up, grabs it, yeah. goes roar and eats it. <laughs> Remember, there's always a bigger fish. Yeah. I do like that line. All right, my uh, lightning round. All right, so from the prequels, I have a couple things for Revenge of the Sith. I liked how the Revenge of the Sith actually had some quiet moments. And when Anakin is summoned to that opera or ballet or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and Pal- Palpatine tells him the the tale of... Darth Plagueis. Darth Plagueis. The wise. And you realize, of course, Palpatine's talking about himself murdering his own yeah. master. And, again, Ian McDermott is a damn fine actor. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't have all the noise associated with those movies. It's just these two guys sitting, and this one guy is a master manipulator. The other guy is worried about his, his wife might die. And I was just exploiting A secret that. wife, yeah, none, yeah, nonetheless. Yeah, a secret wife. And he's exploiting that to the hilt. And it's one of, I think it's one of the most powerful moments in that film. The other moment for Revenge of the Sith I really enjoy is Anakin has informed – told Mace Windu that, the, that Palpatine is the Sith Lord. And Mace Windu says, go back. You know, don't come with me, you know, but I, you gain my trust. And you have Anakin sitting in his, his, his abode in agony about what to do. Then they flash to Amidala thinking about what, what's going on. Yeah. And he's just he's – just, he's, and then he just gets up and he goes – and uh, again, it's a quiet moment that I really appreciate uh, in those films. Um, in uh, A New Hope, I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> and he starts choking. Because you don't see Darth Vader really do anything with the Force until that moment. Yeah. And, and I love all the other officers in the room are kind of like pulling at their collars. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> like everybody's terrified. Except Tarkin, who just has you know absolute authority, but. which which is really strange because yeah. Tarkin really is the number two guy, he is. Uh, even in control of Vader at that point. Yeah, that's a great scene um, when Obi Wan lies to Luke about his father, and in hindsight, I wonder if Lucas gave Guinness the direction to say, "Say this as if you know you're lying," because when you watch it in hindsight, you look at Obi Wan's eyes. He's lying. Mm-hmm. Like you can see that. Like he pauses for a split second. Yep, he does. And, he kind of, and then he kind of goes in like, oh, he's lying. You don't realize that until you've seen Empire Strikes Back, but yeah. he's lying. And I, I would, I'd love to know if he was given that direction. Yep. Only from a certain point of view. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, you have failed me for the last time, Admiral. <laughs> Captain Piet and the guys suffocating on the ground. Next yeah. to him. <laughs> and I love Piet kind of looking to the side with his death rose next to him. You're in command now, <laughs> Admiral. Then, then he Piet. summons his guards to carry the corpse away. But, yeah. And the um, last croak out of Admiral Hazel's <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, 
And then uh, and the whole Hoth sequence well, I love is, is tremendous. That goes the same for Captain Nita. Apology accepted, Captain Nita. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nita, he's already Nita dead on the ground. He knows he's going to die. Oh, like, yeah. He's, he's going over there. For, that's it. Yep, um, he's dying like a man. Yep. Like an officer. He takes, he takes responsibility. Yeah. Um, in Jedi, do you remember your mother, your real mother? And I always found that scene – I thought Hamill's acting that was very good. The poignancy of it, he says, I have no memory of my mother. I never knew her. And he reveals to Leia, like, A, Darth Vader's our father, and I'm your brother. And uh, it's – I think it's a very affecting, quiet scene. Yeah. Oh, they've never really explained how Leia remembers Amidala. No, they didn't because I – mean, kind of, I guess you just kind of have to go with it. But Yeah, you kind of have to go with it for yeah. how they made the prequels. Really, she probably should have been with her mother a short time to remember her. But that could be the force. It right? could be. Yeah. In so, hindsight of yeah. all the prequels, yeah, it absolutely could be. And another favorite scene of mine is um, when Vader and Luke confront each other on the catwalk when the stormtroopers bring him into custody from the yeah. AT-AT. And uh, you know, Luke goes, come with me. And then Vader turns his back to the screen and goes, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. And his shoulders like a slump, and he goes – you know, the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. And it, yeah, very definitive. And, I must. And then Luke goes, well, I will not turn. You have to kill me. And he just goes, if that is your destiny. It's a powerful moment. Yeah. It's a, and he says, you know, and when, he, when he ignites Luke's lightsaber, you think of him, is he going to cut him down with it? And he goes, I see you've uh, constructed a new lightsaber. Your skills are complete. You are as powerful as the Emperor has foreseen. It's great stuff. It sure is. Yeah. All right. Um all right, so so some things about Luke constructing his new lightsaber, the interrogation droid scene. Um, if you've never, and I, I and I and I didn't up until the last ten years, somewhere in that span. If you've never listened to the NPR radio dramas, get them. They're have, out I've, there. I've heard uh, New Hope. A New Hope is four hours long. Empire is four hours long. Jedi is two hours long, and not nearly as well done as mm. the first two. But they are all Isn't worth Hamill in all of them. Hamill's in the first two. First two, okay. Not Empire. Uh, not Jedi. Uh, uh, Billy D. Williams is in Empire. Mm. Anthony Daniels is in all of them. Of course. <laughs> um, he's the only one that really has been in everything. Is Carrie Fisher in the first one? No. No. Okay. No. There's another actress playing I Carrie think Brock Fisher. Brock Peters plays Darth. Brock Vader. Peters yeah. plays Brock Darth Peter Vader. Vader. Yeah. Perry King plays Han Solo. Which he was one of the guys considered for Han Solo right. originally, and he's great in it. Yeah. But it, it's a different Han Solo. There, there, there's some more joking around with C-3PO, not in an <laughs> arrogant "shut the hell up" kind of way. Yeah. He, he really he apologizes to 3PO a couple times. I'm like, all right, well, that's not normal. But for the for the way the radio dramas are, it's worth it, and and it's and it's they're really well done. You get more bigs. The interrogation droid part uh, when Vader interrogates her, he also then tortures her. In some other way, and I actually skipped that part in the radio dramas. I've listened to wow. it a few times, but it is so the, – the, the actress playing Leia is, is screaming like, no, no, I can't stand it. And, and, <gasps> I, and the kids have listened to it once, maybe twice. They don't even like it. We, we just – if that part comes up and we're listening to it in the car, I skip right over it. It, it's, because it's, it's, just it's intense. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, in, in true radio drama form, it's, it's more – terrifying for what you don't see mm. and what you think is happening speaking of perry king have you ever seen i'm sure dan has seen this when they released the the that may have been so many of them now but the dvd set uh the three movies mm -hmm. the special editions and they they included a documentary with it which takes you to the making of the whole trilogy yeah 
Dan, you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. And they show the old um, footage of all the casting. That's great. Uh, like stage tests. Mm-hmm. And you see all like Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, William Cat. You know, to mention Perry King. Yep. Um, oh, what's her name? Terry Nunn as, as uh, uh, Petty. Uh, Penny Marshall or Cindy Williams? Which one was – Oh, uh, Cindy Williams. Cindy, Cindy Williams. Williams. And what's great about those – and these are some excellent actors. Mm-hmm. And then you see Carrie Fisher audition, and you see Mark Hamill audition. You're like, of course it's them. Yeah. Like the way they deliver the lines, it just – it was obvious. Like you imagine yourself as George Lucas going, okay, these are the people who should be doing these, these roles because yep. they just worked. And because they delivered them with, because a lot of the dialogue is really ridiculous, and they deliver with such sincerity. And then Harrison Ford was brought in because Lucas had him in American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. He didn't want Harrison Ford in the movie, but he was a carpenter and, and you know and a working actor. So they brought him in to read lines, and they realized, well, nobody else is he's doing Han this. Solo. Yeah, I mean, so it's just it's fascinating to see yeah. to see that footage. That's a great it's a really great documentary. So, anything yeah. else, my friends? No, that was all great. Brother Cangilla, it was an honor to have you aboard, my friend. Gentlemen, thank you for inviting me. I was glad to participate. We'll uh, hopefully, hopefully get you on when we do the review of the film as well. That'd be great. All right. We'll let you know. And um, I just brain farted. I forgot what I was going to say. Murd, you were going to say something. Go ahead. No, just uh, I wanted to thank Dan as well for helping to enliven the proceedings here. And again, if you haven't, go out and see The Force Awakens, Episode 7. You will not be disappointed. I'm at like, let's see, it's 9.14. I'm what, 36 hours away? No, that's not right. <laughs> 24. Yeah, 36 hours away. All right. Shane, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts afterwards. All right. Cool. Will do. You want to do a little, one last little shout out for Geek Fuel, Shane? Yeah. Check out geekfuel.com. Um, see what you can do to um, order a package, a single box, three, six, 12-month service from them. Get a mystery box for yourself or anybody in your life that likes geeky pop culture, science fiction-y paraphernalia. It's worth it. Geekfuel.com. All right. All right. Uh, to visit us at – to visit us. but the, Visit us at comicgeekspeak.com. To send us an email, the address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, the number is 267-702-6642. Stop by The Comic Forums and let us know your favorite Star Wars moments. I mean, my God, we could talk about this for hours. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. Force will be with you always.